Welcome to the Video Insiders Podcast. I'm Carlos Pacheco. And if you've forgotten me, I'm Tom Martin. And we are two uh, batten down, worn down, uh, <laughs> positive, <laughs> r- r- glass half full kind of guys. Exactly. Uh, YouTube channel managers, uh, channel experts. Uh, we've been doing this YouTube thing for uh, a very long time, close to at least eight years for me. We bring you uh, regular updates from behind the scenes of managing YouTube channels, working with uh, content on YouTube, and advising uh, media companies on uh, how to handle YouTube. Tom, how have you been? Despite my chipper disposition, I've actually been stressed. <laughs> you, I, I think I, I always tell clients and stuff, you know, YouTube is very cyclical, so you can't look at short-term trends too much. But case in point, uh, my client, one of my clients had a really, really bad month and then proceeded to have their best month ever um, last month. And then this month, one of my channels is is really suffering and I'm just failing to take my own advice. I know that. Um, but yeah. just fed up of the constant uphill struggle with content ID and policies and claims and all that jazz. And I fear that there's some more restrictions coming that will badly affect my channel, which we'll talk about a bit later in one of our five exciting things to talk about new format, which we're yet to get an exciting name for. Maybe we could ask the listeners to give us some suggestions. Yeah. So on the socials at video insiders or email us hello at video insiders. And what we're going to be doing this episode and some future episodes, not all episodes is to choose like five things that happen in industry, like news items, uh, a bit like Tim Ferriss is like five bullet Friday. Um, yeah. but in no way meant to copy that of course. Uh, and just bring you some updates in a, in a kind of quick fire, uh, round Robin type format. So let us know what you think we should call that. But yeah, generally I'm a little bit, meh with uh with youtube and some other platforms um, <laughs> trying to look way beyond youtube because of these such issues but it's uh it's not easy especially when you're a one-man band but um yep. looking to actually change that and make my first uh, part-time hire pretty soon so wow. uh, yeah i'm in a bit of a glass half empty kind of mood but i know deep down i've got lots to be uh glass half full about the communities doing really well over at prochannelmanager.com i saw you're a, a very cool part of that community lots of good discussions happening lots of really cool people in there so um yeah pleasantly surprised how active it is um i've been hearing so many horror stories as how many how hard it is to get people to talk but people seem really engaged and uh, happy to be surrounded by some snarky old <laughs> youtube veterans like me and you <laughs> yeah, um, I totally get you on the whole uh, glass half full uh, situation. I'm sort of in the same boat of like sort of being like a little bit of a. I think we're we're at, we're hitting this um, six months of world insanity uh, wall, and it's affecting our morales and our our. Even though like you know we're used to sort of like ups and downs with YouTube is that it's starting to get a little bit, um, just tired. We're just tired of this. Right. So, 
I totally we, get you. We yeah. basically have new restriction, more stricter restrictions coming into place at the time of recording this tomorrow. That will last for at least another six months. So, wow. Yeah, basically, yeah. we've we've been discussing it with the uh, on the family WhatsApp group, and it, it looks like Christmas is pretty much cancelled in terms of getting together at Christmas, like we usually do. So, yeah, it's uh, going to be a crazy another six months at least. Yeah, it's, uh, I just had my sister call me yesterday and just say like that we, my my niece and nephew were going to get uh, uh, their communion and their confirmation within two weeks of each other just to rush that. But then where they live, Montreal, that just got shut down again. So that's been canceled for at least the time being. So yeah, everybody's sort of like in this getting back to, you know, getting ready for, you know, sort of hibernation of winter <laughs> and we're not yeah. looking forward to it, right? Yeah, and I think, not to go too far off topic, but I think one of the things that I said previously was like, thank God that, you know, the, the worst of the lockdown happened in, in summer and we had very, very good weather during those early lockdown months so we could still go for nice walks and stuff. But as it's starting now to get darker, and I think yesterday was officially the last day of summer, Um as it gets darker and colder, it's going to be harder. It's going to be a yeah. Lot so yeah, stay safe, everyone. Look after each other. Yeah. Exactly. Also, wanted to note that for everybody listening, that it's actually been a while since Tom and I have been recording. The last couple episodes were sort of like from the vault, as they say. We recorded a bunch of interviews over the summer and just released them uh, as we sort of like took time to focus a little bit on you know our lives, families, work all that sort of stuff. And uh, we're sort of back after a good month of not sort of catching up. So uh, we have a lot to talk about. But before we talk about, we want to give a big thank you to uh, TubeBuddy, who, which is the um, sort of founding partner, sponsor of this podcast. We are internally grateful for uh, the team's support. TubeBuddy is the ultimate tool for creators to streamline their daily workflow on YouTube, allowing for more time to create great content. I consistently recommend TubeBuddy to all the clients that I start working with because they're constantly asking me for new ways to optimize their content. And TubeBuddy offers amazing tools like Again, the A-B testing tool, and I say again because I've mentioned it before, but the A-B testing tool that allows you, a creator or a channel manager, to run A-B tests on thumbnails, metadata, titles, keywords. And this is such a tool that not a lot of people are using that nobody sort of like really sort of talking about much. And it's one of the best ways to sort of figure out, you know, what's really working uh, on your content. Tom, uh, how can people sign up to TubeBuddy? You can get an exclusive, worldwide exclusive, multi-channel license discount by visiting videoinsiders.fm forward slash TubeBuddy. That's videoinsiders.fm forward slash TubeBuddy. Thank you, TubeBuddy. You're awesome. Thank you, TubeBuddy. And I want to sort of also apologize as uh, I have a almost getting close to a one-year-old puppy in the house who's learned to bark. So we might hear him in the, in the last, in the, in the background as, as we record. Um, we're going to talk about a few things, good and bad, that have happened to, to, I guess, to me over the last few months. 
that, you know, I think, you know, is a good idea to sort of share because it's a world that not a lot of people talk about. There's not a lot of people talking about this, the, the world of like content managers, CMS, the YouTube CMS. We've talked about it in the past because, again, this is a, a space that I've been working on for many years. But as with all things Google and YouTube, I don't know at all, right? Like, like, and YouTube does not do a good job of like, helping you understand their, their services, right? So I had over the many years, be it through my YouTube relationships, got, gotten um, the hands-on having my own content managers with Content ID. And I was never sort of like in this idea that uh, I was wanting to create a big MCN with it, but I did want to sort of help creators or clients that I worked with uh, manage their content ID because basically many clients don't understand that it's there, don't understand that it's possible, don't really need to work with a big MCN. And all I did was sort of like help them work with their content ID on that side of things. Let me just step in here and say, you know, in terms of like an individual person having a CMS, it's like beyond gold dust. <laughs> They're not giving them out anymore, really. Even big media companies and distributors are struggling to get access. So it's pretty much a legacy thing unless, you know, you, you, you come out the gate and you're, you, you, you know, you start a brand new company and it's, you acquire some other companies, but generally you, you really have to prove a, a massive use case in order to get a CMS. So the fact that Carlos had one was like, Oh my God, he's like, really, it was, it was something. It was something. Yeah, and I'll be honest with you. I would get PMs with people through the the content who would notice the content ID, my company claiming stuff, and then it would be like, can we jump on your CMS? And can you, you know, do you know, basically a lot of like, there's a lot of unscrupulous sort of companies out there who want to just piggyback on your your CMS. That's sort of like how desperate a lot of content or sort of like old networks are sort of looking for that. They'll jump onto any sort of like content manager. And essentially uh, the story here is that I, I messed up and I ended up, they ended up being closed down. I had two, so they ended up being closed down by YouTube with very short notice and no real way to sort of fight it. I want to talk about like why those were closed down. What did I do that, you know, sort of like mess this up? Essentially, when you have a CMS and you have a C CMSs don't necessarily mean, and I, I'll, I'll, I'll flip flop between calling it a CMS and a content manager. It's the same thing. But when you, when you have a content manager, um, you, know, you don't necessarily have all the tools with it. You might not have content ID. You might just be, it might just be like this bucket to, to, to manage content and manage a bunch of channels, but there's no content ID within the CMS. And then certain CMS get extra tools or extra plugins within the CMS to sort of like do content ID or create reference files, which are the files that the, the content ID uses to identify uh, piracy what I've sort of found out, found out through, you know, through mistakes is that just because I have content ID doesn't mean I'm allowed to go forth and become and start claiming my client's content. Uh, YouTube doesn't like that. They want me to become, to apply or a company like myself to become an, an MCN and being a one man show, I can't really do that because they sort of want 
you to be have like a staff, a team to do this. And obviously a team of verified and, and uh, certified YouTube channel managers, right? So essentially what I ended up doing is I ended up going beyond my means in terms of like claiming content from other people. They don't care if I'm claiming my own content and my, do, my you know, uh, and doing my content ID with my own content. But the moment I went and, and claimed it with other clients, that was when uh, I got the, the sort of red flag. But, uh, and also I want to backtrack here is th- this did not happen immediately. I had been doing this with clients for close to three years and it never got sort of like YouTube giving me a shout and say, hey, by the way, you shouldn't be doing this. You should stop. It was basically, okay, well, I'm doing this because I have content ID and the tools are there and I can do it. And also, just to clarify, you are never claiming anything that you didn't have the rights to do. That's not why this has happened. It's not like they've come along and said, oh, you know, you're claiming Star Wars footage. It It was never anything like that. It's just that you weren't the, even though you had the permission of the rights holder, you were not the rights holder. Is that right? Well, that and also um, because within YouTube's vetting system, I wasn't registered as an MCN, yeah. right? And that's that's where things got problematic, right? And um, I also learned that, you know, these are legit people. These are clients with television libraries and, and movies who um, I decided to, you know, sort of I, I delegated to other distributors, distributors like yourself, and uh, quickly found out that I wasn't even allowed to do that, right? For whatever reason, right? Essentially, this is when, this is the only time when YouTube finally told me why why my CMSs were closed down. And honestly, when it happened, I'll be, I'll be honest with you, I decided to just raise my hands and just say, you know what, I'm tired of this. I don't want to deal with this anymore. I was like, let's be honest here, managing a CMS on your own, managing content ID and, and you know, uh, over the years, I had gotten like a good like half dozen clients. It starts to get a little bit heavy-handed, stressful with with uh, content claims and back and forth with clients who don't understand how this works and all that sort of stuff. And reporting gets really crazy when you're pulling reports with like. And there are tools out there to help you out, but again, I was a one-man show, and I wasn't sort of like doing a big job, a good job of like, you know, promoting myself and trying to become bigger but at the same time you know like when you're pulling reports with that have you know excel spreadsheets with like thirty thousand lines and making sure that you're not missing data for the client you know the fun was was gone right like there there was a time when this was fun and i was like learning stuff but then i you know i would say in the last year i was sort of feeling a little bit exhausted about you know sort of doing this beyond the, the channel the channel management so just that's just a, a little bit of a caveat in terms of my mindset as to like when i got the the news that my cms was uh going to be shut down and i, I don't think this is any coincidence in terms of timing i think there have been kind of cleaning house on the cms front for a long at least for the last couple of years um been giving them out less, taking them back less, trying, uh, try, sorry, taking them back more, trying to get people to, if they've got more than one, to kind of merge them into just one so there's less in the world. Actually, I was helping a, a client yesterday who has a CMS. You know, you get those kind of notification ribbons at the top when you log in and it was like, we are, you know, tightening up our policies 
starting in October and there was a list of all these different things that you needed to do, like make sure that the channels in your CMS were getting less copyright strikes. And even if you had, if you had more than one CMS and one CMS was badly behaved, it could affect even your other CMSs that you were kind of previously protected. So they're very, very much cleaning house. And yeah, so if you are running a, a CMS, then you really need to make sure you're doing everything by best practice because you will get an, an email or a knock at the door or worse. And um, if you're if you're in the market to try and get one, I think it's probably a worse time than ever to try and get one. Yeah, I think the only way you can really get one is if you're a big media company and with a lot of content at this point. Uh, you know, I had already been in a process, uh, and again, the sort of, you know, sort of the history of behind the scenes stuff. I had already been in a process of like, you know, sort of thinking about like, how, or talking with partners to see like, okay, well, you know, I, I've been doing this for a couple of years. I'm sort of, okay, you know, sort of like focused on other things right now. And maybe I need to just delegate this to somebody else. And when I did speak to other official MCNs in the space and smaller, you know, smaller niche ones, they did, they had warned me that there's a big crackdown coming up in the next couple of months. And they were basically straight up on point, like within, within literally six weeks of them telling me that that's when I got like the notice. And I was like, all right, I sort of like expected that happening. And at the end of the day, uh, there was a time on YouTube, and I don't know if I, we've sort of mentioned this before, there was a time on YouTube where every, you know, Tom, Dick, and Harry would get uh, a CMS. <laughs> Any company that had content, uh, they wouldn't give it necessarily to creators, but they would, you know, any sort of production company that had multiple shows and stuff like that, they would get a CMS and often they wouldn't know what to do with it or have anybody sort of like manage it. That's uh, the, the story. And, and, and Tom, is there anything you you know feel we should, you know, do you have any questions that you would want to? Yeah, no, I've I kind of, um, I've been, obviously we, we speak all the time on and off this podcast. So I've kind of like seen all of the steps of this journey and it was, kind of always come in i think and i think now at least you're not waiting for these that email to come because it's already come you know so yeah. uh, i think it's probably a good weight off of your shoulders uh and you know there are opportunities to partner with fully fledged mcns to make sure our clients get what they need so it's not a you know the end of the world scenario i'd just say you know there was a time when i was looking to buy a cms or yeah buy some buy you know and other people are buying companies because they have a cms and i i would i would definitely warn against that because i think ownership now is going to be scrutinized more than ever so if you buy a cms and they notice that the ownership has changed you know yeah you you will have to justify your 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 kind of ownership credentials as if you are applying from from scratch so i would be uh i'd be very cautious about you know, trying to get access to a CMS by, say, you know, backdoor methods, shall we say? Yeah, uh, I would sort of, you know, sort of double down on that. Where I did, you know, I was reached out by a bunch of people who uh, were in the market for CMSs, and after this happened, I basically start, you know, I uh, told them it's like, don't do it. <laughs> Because you're gonna drop, drop, you know, twenty, thirty, fifty. I had 
certain people asking as much as a quarter million dollars for a CMS, uh, which I thought was insane. But, but, you know, when you think about it, like when you have a lot of content and you can sort of go out there and get a lot of content, you know, a quarter million bucks for a CMS could, could mean a month's worth of like, uh, you know, content ID, yeah. right? Depending but on if, who you are. So, But if you've got, if you've got, the, the amount of content that could generate that, then you probably qualify for one anyway. Yeah, so exactly. It's, yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a tough one. Yeah. 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 Again, but everybody sort of wants to go get, you know, go to, sh- you know, sort of like short route, like, you know, the quick, uh, yeah. quick solution, which, you know, buying one's very quick versus applying for one with YouTube nowadays can take upwards of a year. So that's something to think about. So anyway, if anybody has any questions on this side of things, you know, I'm happy. I'm very transparent in this space. And, you know, I sort of want to sort of like add another one is that, you know, when I talk to clients often who I work with and I realize they have CMSs and even the client's not aware of how, how they got it, how it works. Right. It, I literally had a call yesterday with a client and I'm like, do you realize the power you have in your hands, right? You're a media company, you, uh, you distribute it across the world, you have rights, and you're not using the CMS at all. And they have a partner manager and the partner manager is doing nothing proactive to educate the client on how to do this, right? And how to really optimize this. And that's the part that I always, always find frustrating with YouTube. And I'll always sort of like poke them on the side, you know, in, in, in that annoying trolley way online. It's sort of like of saying like, you guys are all about like, high and mighty being there, but you have, you do a such a horrible job of like communicating and educating your, your, your partners on how to, how to, how to use their, uh, your tools. Well, I suppose that just creates an opportunity for people like you and me and some of our listeners who can go in, parachute in and say, well, I'll handle this for you on a a freelance basis, you know? Exactly. It's, it's my advantage. Obviously I complain, yeah. but at yeah. the same time, it's sort of, it's up to my advantage to sort of like learn it and, and use it. And again, like, I'm actually happy that this happened to me and I learned this, this way, because, you know, when I do talk to clients and I tell them about, you know, this side of the business, they're like, Oh, how can we do this as well? And I was like, well, you can essentially do this if you have, you know, relationships and you can buy rights and all that sort of stuff. But that essentially is not true. Again, many clients have, CMSs, but they're not registered as an MCN with YouTube. And that's where yeah makes the difference uh, there. So anyways, I just want to, don't want to sort of beat a dead horse at this point, but that's a little bit of, of that situation. Cool. Well, let's, let, let's move on to point two of our kind of five fabulous points to talk about today. And that is a new class action lawsuit here in the UK, uh, which a bunch of parents have signed up to being led by a non-profit kind of legal, I don't know what you would call them, uh, entity. I don't know what they would, they would maybe, you know, a non-for-profit generally, uh, action group, uh, who are basically fighting the same fight that was fought in the US last year where the FTC took them to court for collecting kids' data. And obviously there have been a lot of changes since that FTC ruling, but still obviously it hasn't made enough changes because this lawsuit is now taking place here in the UK. Uh, And I've been saying it for a long time, you know, when my kids are watching stuff on YouTube or when I'm working on client channels or looking at potential client channels, you know, I'm watching kids 
content and getting ads for Gillette and all stuff like that. And I can't believe that that's how it should still be working after all this time. And, you know, we've got all of the stuff that's been set up to mark things as for kids or not. But really, has that has that changed the industry or the, not the industry, changed the, that niche, that corner of YouTube enough? Because there's still so many problems around kids' content on YouTube, whether that is, you know, product placement, you know. So, yes, you may be demonetized, but you can still do branded content for you know, Mattel or whoever it may be. I'm not mentioning Mattel specifically for a reason. That's just the only person that sprang to mind. But, you know, my kids watch stuff all the time where it's like, oh, yeah, these toys were sent to us by Toy Company X. And, you know, that, that those channels are, are still making bank from that. And those channels are still advertising to kids, which is I know is a separate issue because this issue is... Uh, specifically around data collection, but it's it's part of the same problem of how kids are treated and spoken to and addressed on YouTube on both sides of the fence, because I also think there's still a massive problem around kids as talent on YouTube. And, you know, are they working to child labor laws? And, you know, are they being protected? Are their best interests at heart? you know, from these parents. You know, I'm not going to mention any specific cases, but some of these poor kids, they look so dead behind the eyes when, when they're when they're making when they're making these videos. And I just think like, you know, however rich they are getting from these channels, like I would never put my kids through that personally for the for the financial gain. So again, I just think I think it opens up this massive can of worms. And um you know, for YouTube to say that they're not a platform for kids is quite an outrageous claim, I would say, because it's not like they've, they might have taken the money off, uh, some of the ad revenue off of this stuff, but they haven't taken the actual content off. It's, it's, a, it's a complete and utter minefield, but I suppose my question to you, Carlos, is has anything really changed since, I suppose, the main... I think it was January the 6th of this year that the main changes really, really came into play. Has anything really changed, do you think? It's a big subject. I think your point about, you know, the, the kids with the dead eyes uh, is is interesting because um, this this medium is young that we still don't know what this, the consequences are, right? And, um, you know, you look at, like, child stars, right? You know, how many child stars really, you know, do well? Um, versus many that sort of like fall fall into the bad space. I think that, you know, we could say at least a good 50%, you know, fall into bad space. So I think in the YouTube side of things, we're going to start seeing that as well. Oh, we already sort of see it. I mean, the Jake Pauls of this world are a perfect example of like <laughs> what not to do. But at the same time, uh, even though they're not, ki- they're not kids, but they were young enough Um uh, I think I think the space is is a complete mess. I think uh, you, you know I have a couple clients that are in the kids TV space, and I tell them just completely avoid the platform. You might get traction, you might get some views, but uh, you're not going to make any money. Use it as a marketing platform, but at the same time, like that, just should, you know market to the parents, right? Don't market to the kids. It's hard to say because we're privileged, right? We know this space, and there's a lot of people out there that just don't care they just give their ipads to their kids and they don't really you know they're happy and they let it run right they don't think about the consequences and 
uh, I'm sure you know many of you have heard about or seen the social dilemma on Netflix, which is a sort of, you know a little bit over dramatized you know documentary about the effects of social media on our brains. But at the same time, you know, you need to sort of take a look at that and what's happening there. And, you know, I saw it and I understand how, you know, they built a story to make it more dramatic. But at the same time, like, you know, I've turned myself off social media as much as possible uh, over the last year. I still consume it, but I'm sort of like very cognizant of, you know, my consumption a lot more than I used to be in the past. I'm, you know, borderline trying to close my Facebook page, but I can't because I manage pages for clients and a, an awesome group called the Pro Channel Managers is on it, so I kind of need it. <laughs> but, but yeah, I think I think it's 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 going to be a space that's going to be a bad space for uh, kids content creators for the near future, other than the marketing platform, right? And again, unless you know, unless the platform specifically shuts it down or really really limits that, you know, the, the how the audience engages with that content, unless you're in YouTube Kids which is much more of a controlled, more like a street, and I, I, I want to call it a streaming platform, but more like an over-the-top OTT television platform. It's like ring fenced, isn't it? There are, there are gatekeepers to say what can be published in there and what can't. Yeah, and, and then be less of an algorithm, right? Like more of a curated and vetted by human beings because I'm beyond not convinced that AI can do this job, right? Uh, can do this job well. And um, I think we even saw the news this week that YouTube's cutting back on the amount of AI takedowns or moderators, you know, for various reasons. And I think one of the main reasons is that AI is just not ready to to do this job, right? So I don't have much other to say than other. I believe it's a mess. So yeah, it's not a space I. I interested at all to be in anymore <laughs> or even help anybody in. Yeah. So in terms of in terms of consequences, it. I suppose the next thing would be that all kids content is pretty much banned from YouTube and only goes into the YouTube kids app. That's, that's the only measure I think they can really take uh, unless there's some more kind of technical wizardry that I probably am not qualified to talk about where they're doing less tracking of, of users or um, which comes on to another point, which I'll, I'll jump ahead on our list, which is, ensuring that everyone who is using YouTube is logged in um, so we know who they are exactly and um, then then there's no there's no real kind of question about it so moving to point three which is related to that is that YouTube have announced some uh, kind of extended age restrictions around their content so this will mean that more content is age restricted. And if you don't know what that means, basically when you go to click on it, there is a a kind of a warning that says either a, you need to be logged in to be able to watch this to prove that you're over 18. Um, Or if you're already logged in, it will say, you know, this, this contains material that some people may not find suitable and you need to be over 18. And that would be, they'd already know that you are over 18 by your account. And then in terms of monetization, what that means to the creator is that monetization is not allowed whatsoever. So it's not like this is limited on no ads. This is no ads. And I think on the whole, generally limited on no ads probably means no ads, at least at this point. Although YouTube have spoken about extending 
the kind of uh, inventory that is available to those kind of yellow demonetized videos. Um, but if they go to age restricted, it means zero ads. And again, that's something that I would like to, to have changed because that makes no sense to me because why, why there, there are surely advertisers that want to only target people that are above 18. You know, if you're advertising alcohol or gambling or even to buy a car, like in the UK, you know, no one under the age of 18 is going to buy a car or no one under the 18 age of 18 is going to buy equity release for their home or, you know, some types of like family life insurance. So why, why are there not advertisers that can advertise against stuff that's age gated? It's, it seems pretty crazy to me. This one hits home, particularly for me because I have so much content that is on that borderline. Um, lots of the movies on my movie channel are flagged as not suitable for all advertisers and could be switched over to age gated videos. I do think this is part of the struggle that I'm having this month in terms of, of viewership decline a little bit. Um, although, you know, I'm only looking at a very small period of time. I not I don't necessarily think it's a coincidence. Another thing that it kind of even more draconian, and it, this is based on an, a new EU regulation coming into force. And this was actually sent to me in an email from YouTube. And I'm not sure if everyone got this email or if it was just people that had kind of borderline content. I'd be really interested to know. Let us know on the socials and uh, at Video Insiders. In certain viewers, if they can't verify by their account whether they are over 18 or not, they will need to provide a form of ID or credit card to YouTube to prove that they are over 18. So, you know, that's I think that's good because how easy is it to say I was born in, you know, 1999 or whatever it is, 2000, 2002, just on an account, you know, I could I could be seven years old and do that. Mm -hmm. So it's good from that point of view. From a creator's point of view, I think it means people like me that have got borderline content is going to really affect reach because this, like by default, none of this will be surfaced to non-logged in users and stuff like that. Yeah. Which again is uh, 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 not a wake-up call for me because I already know this, but it's just another reason to make sure you are diversifying the platforms on on which you are publishing because which, you know, in whatever niche you're in, when you're on somebody else's platform, you're playing, entire, you're playing entirely by their rules. So, you know, to build an, a business solely on somebody else's singular platform is, is very dangerous. So... Yeah, yeah, take take heed of that uh, that those changes because they could affect your channel. Yeah, it's a message that we've been you know hitting the bell on for at least since we started. At the end of the day, right? Um, a bunch of things have changed over the last couple of months that you know sort of shown how you know you, you, we have no control. I mean, uh, we didn't put this in the show notes, but it's like uh, in the last couple of months, uh, YouTube notifications are only uh, notifications now, meaning that. Uh, before you could, you know, say that you wanted to get an email when, you know, your favorite channel uploaded a new video, which I'll be honest, being an old school guy in this space, that's how I kept update with, with YouTube. Uh, I had a folder and every time, you know, 
that would fill up every every week and have like a bunch of videos that I would just go check out and see by the email. According to YouTube, emails weren't a big thing, but you know, for me, that was sort of like the best way to get a direct relation, you know, a direct view of what's being uploaded. And obviously it's YouTube playing the social media game, right? Where they want you to stay on the platform. The only way you're going to not miss an upload from your favorite creator now is to make sure you are on YouTube. So it's another mind is sort of like in a way a mind game to, to get you to stay on the platform. Right. It's, it's, it's an algorithm thing. Right. So, um, again, that's outside of your control and it has its benefits and it has its negatives, right? We're going to talk in a future, uh, episode about, you know, other streaming platforms that, you know, creators need to think about and how to, you know, sort of like how different they are. And at the end of the day, like, let's be honest here, like a lot of people within our, our, our ecosystem, they're not going to build their own platform. Every single platform you work out out there, you don't really have control over YouTube's probably the one we have the most, but at the same time, it's still frustrating as hell. So that's essentially our world. I feel like we're being a little bit negative this episode. <laughs> uh, just to switch gears here, something you mentioned before, and that's something, again, that we didn't have in our show notes, but it's a good subject for us to sort of talk about, is you're seeing a slowdown on views, right? To be honest, I'm seeing it across the board. And again, it, 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 every content behaves differently, but I've seen, you know, I'm talking about channels that have like, you know, 20 million, 40 million subscribers channels that have 1 million subscribers. And I'm seeing like a, a, a downturn again over the last, you know, four to six weeks. To me, one of the things to take into consideration is the ecosystem is hungry for drama, meaning that if you're putting content out there that isn't causing strife or isn't like causes intense discussion we're in a politically charged time in our lives right and i think there's there's something to say about how content is being consumed nowadays be it on social media versus you know uh, video and you know think about how that uh, that's affecting channels that type of channels that we manage that are much more slow and you know long tail content and how that that that's why you see sort of like we don't see like drastic drops but we do see like a little bit of a flatlining on things i'm personally putting that as one of the reasons is because a lot of attention is going towards stuff that's just pissing people off i guess yeah i think there's there are other factors i think generally september is one of the quietest months of the year um just yeah. in the lead up to kind of Q4, which is the golden quarter. Also, kids are now back at school, at least here in the UK, which is a, a huge drove of people, which means parents are probably also heading back to work. That may change as, you know, people again are being asked to work from home here in the UK at least. So who knows? Um, it, it, you know, I'm probably getting a bit more stressed because this is, you know, this is one of my babies compared to, not that I don't care about my clients' channels, but, you know, this is, very close to me so um yeah but yeah more youtube news we've seen youtube introduce stories which i think were originally called reels which is now what instagram have called their tiktok ripoff i think you get instagram reels uh and now youtube have their own tiktok ripoff coming it seems being tested in india i believe it is okay yeah. um i did try to see if i could see it apparently only Indian creators can upload, but I believe that non-Indian 
viewers can still see those new features. I haven't been able to find them yet, but um, essentially it will be a TikTok ripoff from what I can tell. And it kind of makes sense because they've got a very good relationship with the music industry. Uh, and I know TikTok have just signed a load of deals with the big labels. In all honesty, I, I see this. I see this going the way of stories, the way of community tab. Although community tabs, I think I'm seeing a little bit more community tab recently. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. Is this just another f- bloated feature that it just gets away from the core product? What do you think, Carlos? Yeah, that's essentially at the end of the day, it'll be much more of a discovery feature than anything else. You know, how do you get your 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 videos, your brand personality in front of new eyeballs? And you know, TikTok is successful because of its amazing algorithm. And one of the most amazing things about TikTok is that like you can you can really enjoy it without even creating an account, which is mind-boggling to me and a, a game changer in this space right so that that opens up discovery for, for for content creators much wider than you know anybody else at this point so uh i i don't know it's 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 a weird thing because stories is so you know tacked on tiktok's gonna feel like it's tacked on well i mean sorry well, i say tiktok youtube's version of tiktok's gonna be tacked on it's just you know these platforms always do the same thing. It's like they, they they find this one format that they're really good at and then somebody else does something different that's just as successful, if not better, and then they did try to mimic it and they you know, three times out of four, like they they, they do a really piss poor job of it. You know, Instagram reels do, being a perfect example of, you know, uh, of like meh for but at the same time there's the example of like instagram stories that you know basically stole the thunder of of snapchat you know many years ago so i don't want to count anybody out but i don't necessarily have high hopes for it doing anything other than you know chipping a little bit away from from tiktok's momentum anything that's going to damage tiktok you know it has to do with like what's happening in the u.s with the potential ban that's been averted over the last couple of weeks, we've been hearing stories of like creators jumping ship to uh, Triller and um, uh, Byte. So yeah, it's become a very messy, messy space. So it's to be determined. I can't really sort of give it, you know, and it's, I don't think it's within our wheelhouse. It's much more of a social thing, right? It's, you know, I consider TikTok format to be much more like Twitter uh, and Facebook, where it's like push, 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 and then the content disappears. You'll never yeah. see it again. Type of situation, right? And to me, that's that's a. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, that's the thing. That's I, think a, it's, it's a, I think the user's in a very different mindset than a YouTube viewer. So that, there's, a, there's yeah. a bit of a disconnect when you watch YouTube. You've made the decision to what sit and watch something rather than to kind of uh, get a quick hit, like a quick dopamine hit which I think our previous yeah. guest, um, Gwen Miller, very uh, eloquently put it when she was talking about TikTok on Twitter yesterday. Um, check out that episode with Gwen. We'll link it in the show notes. And, uh, yeah, so I, I just don't know if that if that mindset, same same with the stories feature, I just don't know if it's the, the same mindset that viewers are coming to with the platform and whether they're, they're, they want that or they're ready for that. Obviously, time will tell. 
I think it'll also be interesting to see physically how it fits into the app and the ecosystem. Like it's like you know, stories are already kind of awkwardly placed enough. Now where do where does this go? You know, how how do they monetize? You know, because you're not going to put a a thirty second ad on a or two unskippable ads in front of a eight second video. How how does content ID work? in an eight second video where, you know, generally things need to be like 30 seconds for content ID to, to pick them up. It's, it's a bit of a minefield. And also, you know, TikTok is generally a much younger audience. I don't know if I've spoken about this on the podcast before, but you know, like my little niece is obsessed and actually more than one of my little nieces are totally obsessed and they're like 10 and under. And like anecdotally, we went to a, we went to a theme park fairly recently and basically there's like a plague or like a curse where any young girl like under the age of 11 is no longer able to stand still for more than 20 seconds without practicing the TikTok dance. It's almost like a, like a, like a Tourette syndrome. It's unbelievable to see in real life that like even my niece, like her mom told me like, I'll be talking to her and she's like, I can't really, verbalize this well on a podcast but she'll be standing there talking to her daughter and her daughter's like flicking her elbows out and twisting and like like constantly like a tick like practicing tiktoks and uh you know it's it's a much younger audience and youtube are under fire for targeting young audiences so i don't think this helps that that cause so could be a whole nother can of worms yeah. but I'll, I'll be the first one to say it is like tiktoks makes me feel old <laughs> <laughs> we are all good we are old yeah, we agree. Awesome. I think we also wanted to sort of like a quick note that you pointed out in the Pro Channel Manager is uh, new uh, layout tools, right, for YouTube? Yeah, so, you know, I think a lot of people moaned when things went over to what I'm still referring to as Studio Beta, even though it's not beta anymore. Um, and I said, oh, how is this going to work when, you know, things like customizing your channel, not only did you have to not use uh, beta to do it, you actually had to use the previous UI it actually rolled back like yeah. two two UIs. Uh, well, I got I got uh, I was logged into my channel yesterday and went to change something. What made me think about it is because I was actually recording a video and telling people to to mix up how their channels laid out. And when I went to find an example, I couldn't find a single example of a channel that didn't have just um, horizontal rows of videos. And when I went to check mine. Uh, mine were all horizontal and I, I was I was sure that I'd done some kind of vertical list as well and when I went to customize it, it it was no longer reverting back to that old UI it was in the new UI there was no option anymore how to display the section it was all horizontal rows uh, not a huge feature change uh, good at least that it's rolled into the new UI but uh, hopefully that's still like an early test and um you still have the option to mix up how your your sections on your your channel look like, but it wouldn't surprise me if it went away. They do like to kind of sunset features. Um, I think everything now is geared towards a mobile experience first, anyway. And yeah, those didn't really exist on mobile, so who knows? We'll see. Let us know on social if you're seeing that in yeah. your on your channels. Oh, yeah, I'll take kind of the screenshots and potentially put link them up. Uh, I'll link up the discussion yeah. within the uh, channel yeah. manager group. So, 
All right. So that was uh, us, the super positive <laughs> video insiders <laughs> podcast. We are apologize if it feels a little bit of a downer, but I think we're sort of like, you know, going through this sort of like, oh, it's fall. And uh, we're trying to, you know, sort of like, you know, going through this back and forth of what's going to happen with everything. And, you know, we don't get too deep into our personal lives, but we're all we're going through certain changes in our lives. And maybe I'll be able to announce it after the fact, but uh, I'm planning different, you know, life changes. So, um, stuff to talk about in the future. As always, I want to give a big thank you to uh, TubeBuddy for being our sponsor and uh, being the best tool for channel managers, uh, for YouTube networks, for anybody who really wants to become a pro on YouTube. There, you know, at the end of the day, and I, I sort of we have a script for, you know, for TubeBuddy that isn't sort of like a hardcore script in terms of how to promote it. But at the end of the day, I like to always talk about how, like, you end up being, you know, ahead of the game by using a tool like TubeBuddy because there's a lot of people, a lot of creators out there that are just doing it without any help and they're winging it. And TubeBuddy is really the ultimate tool to sort of like put you ahead of the game from the SEO tools to the optimization tools. It's been an amazing partner and has sort of really helped me move forward in this industry with my clients. And um, we want you to use it as well. So, Tom, how can people sign up? Yeah, you can get an exclusive multi-channel license discount only by visiting videoinsiders.fm forward slash Chew, buddy. Thank you again, Chew, buddy. Thank you, too, buddy. And Tom, stay positive. We'll do. We'll do. I'm staying strong. Staying strong. And uh, we'll be switching up the gears in terms of like the format of the show and how we want to, you know, sort of talk about subjects and the near future. Yeah, let us know if there are any subjects that you want us to cover. If there's anyone that you'd like us to interview, hit us up at Video Insiders on all the socials or hello at videoinsiders.fm via email. If you enjoyed this, don't forget to give us a rating and review in Apple Podcasts or some kind of thumbs up in whichever podcast app you're using. And we will speak to you in a couple more weeks. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.